Today we're going to be kind of continuing our study in Colossians chapter 4. Uh, as we've been in Colossians for a while now, we'll continue. Uh, I enjoy uh, preaching through the Bible expositionally. I like to hear Jay do it as well. I believe it's, it's the way you learn. Uh, if you compare Scripture with Scripture, if it wasn't supposed to be in that order, God wouldn't have put it in that order. Uh, amen. So uh, today we're going to talk about a guy named Onesimus. Uh, and so the title of the message today is Profit Margin. And so maybe some of you guys know what a profit margin is. If you've got a, uh, a business or you've been a manager or an owner, uh, a profit margin is basically you have a gauge of you look at your employees and you look at all of your expenses. And so you bring all that in, you calculate it, and then you look at the revenue that's coming in and you compare those two, right? And then hopefully you've got a surplus or you've got more than what you have going out, right? Uh, well, you know, and you look at when you do this, you evaluate all of your employees. You look at your employees, you say, well, you know, so-and-so is doing a good job and he's, he's bringing in a lot of revenue for the company. And then you may have somebody that's coming in and they're maybe hurting the company. And so then you have to have some hard conversations sometimes. Um, you know, you look at all those company or all the employees and you say, well, this one's doing good, this one's doing bad. Well, to put that in ministry terms, you know, are we bearing fruit? So would, would God look at us or would our pastor look at us or the person that's discipling us or would they look at us and say, you know, are, are we hurting more than we're helping, right? Uh, hopefully that's not the case. This is going to be, I'm going to, some of you are already looking at me crooked. It's okay. Uh, this is going to be tough. It's tough on me. I've, I've been beating myself up all week. So just, just join, the, join me. So, uh, you know, first of all, we're bearing fruit. Are we advancing the cause of Christ on a daily basis? To be effective, we need help. And what we're talking about here is discipleship that results in not addition, but multiplication, right? Uh, that's multiplication is where it is. And in ministry, it runs on the rails of relationships. I know you've heard us say that a thousand times, right? Uh, well, if you would look around in this room or you, maybe you'd look at who are you with in the ministry, in this room, Hopefully you're with somebody. We all need to have somebody that we're working with. Uh, you know, biblically, there's no examples of lone wolf pastors. Uh, no Chuck Norris references, lone wolf McQuaid. For, I saw you there, so I saw you, Corey. Uh, so there's no lone wolf pastors. There's no deacon, lone wolf te deacons or teachers. You know, David had his mighty men. We kind of talked about that a few weeks ago. Jesus had the 12. I mean, if Jesus needed people, I mean, he could have done it all himself, but he needed people. Paul had numerous men that he did ministry with as well. So an isolated Christian or an, a Christian on an island is a dangerous person. Uh, I'll go a little step further. An isolated church can be a dangerous church as well. Uh, we all need to have people that we are accountable to. Uh, so with that said, I want to read and then we'll pray and then we'll get started today. We're going to read out of Colossians 4. We'll read 7 through 9. And you can, you've got a bunch of verses here. I want to just go to 7 through 9 there. It says, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you as a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your state and comfort your hearts, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Uh, and so we also got a little chart there. I believe, Derek, we had that chart of the men that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So there's 10 relationships that the Apostle Paul had uh, in the ministry. that we, He had more, obviously, and I'm going to mention one today. But there's one that we're going to talk about today, and he's highlighted. 
We talked about Tychicus a couple weeks ago. I'm just going to see how many times I can mess up his name. Uh, And then we'll do Onesimus today. So let's pray and we can get started. I'm I'm glad that you're with us today. Dear God, we love you. Uh, I appreciate the time. I appreciate... uh, the time of worship, I appreciate the time to sing praises to your name. It is such an honor and such a privilege uh, to just to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, and you are so worthy. You are so worthy. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the privilege of doing it. And Lord, as we have a chance later, or as we have a chance right now, that we could just... Um, look in your word for just a little bit that we might evaluate maybe some things in our life uh, that we need to uh, kind of take revenue of uh, if you if we can use that term Uh, and maybe on a personal level even on a corporate level as a church you know are we is our profit margin where it needs to be are we advancing the kingdom on a daily basis in a personal on a personal level and then as a church and I hope this challenges us today it's been challenging me all week uh, as we've as I've looked through this and so Lord we just pray that you'd help us today let your Holy Spirit teach us Uh, we want to give you honor we want to give you glory we want to let your word have free course in this place today Uh, and I just pray that it doesn't return void and just let it take its course and do what it needs to do in, in the hearts and lives of people today we love you and all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So uh, the first point that we're going to have, and all your points are brought to you by the letter R. Uh, you know, I keep hoping that as I've tried to do this, that if you keep doing this as a preacher, maybe then one day I'll become one, you know. So uh, we're going to keep going here. So we're, the first point is restoration. Uh, restoration. Uh, and remember, we're talking about this guy named Onesimus, and maybe some of you know his backstory. I think Jay preached on him on Wednesday night, um, maybe a couple years ago. But it's, it's just an awesome story. Uh, Onesimus was the servant, or the, maybe you could even term him as a slave, of a guy named Philemon. Uh, if you turn, the whole book of Philemon, if you read that story, is about that relationship and about Paul reaching out to Philemon about Onesimus. Uh, and so Philemon 1, 10 and 11 says this, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. And so the whole backstory, he says that he was unprofitable, but the whole backstory is that this guy ran away from him and took, took a lot of his, took some goods from him. Uh, and he ends up in jail with Paul. How about that for a for a you know a prison inmate you know your your fellow prisoner you know I'm sure you're you're going to hear that every day you know uh, and so it says that he was begotten in my bonds he Paul leads him uh, to Christ and then he is reaching back out Paul's Onesimus you know, serves his term and he's going to have to go back out he's going to Colossians he's going to Colossae he's going to go to some other places but he sends him back to Philemon first and he says hey man. This guy was unprofitable, but now he's profitable. He's a, he's a brother in Christ. And he uses the term, he even, he says, my son, Onesimus, which is an amazing thing for somebody like Paul to say you're his son. He didn't just throw that term out for anybody. First uh, Timothy 1, 2 says, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Second Timothy 1, 2 says, to Timothy, my delivered, dearly beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And so to go from, you know, the spiritually speaking, from the outhouse to the penthouse, 
you know, in Paul's eyes and in God's eyes. Only God can do something like that. It says, in time past, he was unprofitable. Uh, and we all have a story like that. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. You notice how this is not exclusive? You know, Paul's throwing himself in there. He's throwing every, ye, all, we, you know, we all have a backstory similar to this. If we're sinners and we're saved, then we all have that story. Uh, it says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God. Uh, thank God for the but sometimes in the Bible. Praise the Lord. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And then go to verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so you see the transition in this verse that Onesimus is fleshing out and living out uh, for Paul. Uh, and for the Philemon that he's going to now go see, it says, but now he's profitable. Uh, you know, 1 Timothy 4, 8. This is, you know, this, Corey and I talk about, this, we've talked about this is our life, this is our life verse. Uh, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promised of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Uh, Titus 3.8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Uh, and lastly, 1 Corinthians 12.7, that the manifestation of the Spirit is given every, to, to every man to profit with all. And so, you know, we need to understand that, you know, We've all been given a gift. We've been all been given a spiritual gifts, and those things are to profit the body. Those are things that are profit the kingdom. Uh, and we may all have a story, uh, like some guy, we're, well, I'm just going to mention him quickly here, but uh, Jay will hit on him in a few weeks. He was on that list as well. Uh, we may have a story like uh, John Mark. You know, We may have a story, uh, even after we've been saved, where we've had a period of time where we were unprofitable. Uh, where we didn't live, we've, we've rebelled against God, or we've been backsidden against God. Uh, or maybe there was just, we've had a falling out with a pastor, or a minister, or a disciple. Uh, well, every day is a new day. Acts 16, 36 through 40. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought that God uh, thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. Uh, when Paul first, on his first missionary journey, they ran into a sorceress, they went, ran into all sorts of things. And I think John Mark was overwhelmed, I really do. I think when you read it, he's like, eh, I don't know about this. And he goes back, he goes back home. Uh, and Paul, you know, that was still fresh in Paul's mind. He says, it went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them, between Paul and Barnabas, uh, that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas put, took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren to the grace of God. So, you know, if you've been in ministry or been in church for a while, you know, we don't always get along. We don't, don't always agree. Uh, and that goes from the top down. And that's okay to have disagreements, but it's not okay to, to leave those things unresolved. It's not okay 
uh, to not uh, res resolve those situations. So whatever happened, uh, you know, Barnabas takes Mark uh, and, and they go to Cyprus. But the story doesn't end there. And Jay will hit on this, I'm sure, um, in a few weeks. 2 Timothy 4.11, only Luke is with me. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. This is the end of Paul's life. Um, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Uh, so it, the story didn't end there, and he, he was profitable. So your first key principle, as sinners, we all have an unprofitable past, uh, but as believers, we can be profitable to the Lord and our fellow believers in the present. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's a twofold application of that. Obviously, when we're not saved, all, we're, all of us are unprofitable. Uh, we, are, we are sinners uh, in need of a Savior. But even after that, even if we've messed up the day before, they're, they're messed up many times, uh, you know, as long as we have breath in our lungs, if we messed up yesterday, last week, or even for years, if we've got the Holy Spirit, we can make a difference for the Lord today. You can start fresh today. You can start right now. You can do that. That's all you have to do is turn your feet. Um, you know, the key question, and I, this is for all of us, would somebody say about us that we are profitable for the ministry? Would they do the profit margin? Would they calculate everything? And they, would they look at our fruit and say we're profitable? More importantly, would the Lord say that? Another key question, are we living our lives to profit the Lord, or are we living our lives to profit ourselves? Um, you know, we all get caught up in the hustle and bustle. Uh, we get caught up in our own little personal profit margin when we, we do our budgets and we, we start out taking the ins and the outs and where does the money go and where we need more coming in, right? Let's work extra hours. Let's work more shifts. Uh, we have to be careful with things like that because uh, we can get our priorities can get kind of shifted from where they need to be. Uh, Genesis twenty five thirty two. Uh, if you remember the story of uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau had the birthright, he had all the blessings, and because he was a little hungry, he threw all that birthright away. Uh, he said, Are we, uh, and Esau said, behold, I'm at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? Uh, sometimes we get a little stressed, or we get a little anxious, or we get, uh, some things may come into our life that, and we start maybe, when we need to turn to the Lord, and the first thing we do is turn into the things of this world. You know, uh, and so we need to be careful with things like that. First Samuel twelve twenty and 21. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then ye sh should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. Uh, you know, when we start piling up our treasures in this life, you know, at the end of the day, what are they profiting? Proverbs 10.2, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. Mark 8.36, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Uh, we got to have our priorities right of what we're, what we're actually working towards. Because we're all going to stand before the Lord giving account. Uh, and it's not going to matter how much money you got. It's not going to matter how much, how, you know, all the cars and everything else, houses, property, all that's not going to matter at the end of the day. It's just going to matter is what you did for the Lord. 
uh, and what you did in his name. Uh, number two, point number two, uh, reputation. Reputation is your next blank. Now, Proverbs 22.1 says that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and, go- rather than silver and gold. I'm seeing a theme here. Uh, and so if you go back to the verse there, it says that he is a faithful, uh, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So he's went from being unprofitable to a faithful and beloved brother. And Paul does not throw these phrases out, you know, randomly. If you read, because when it's time to get into somebody's business, he does it. Uh, you know, he talks about Alexander the coppersmith and some of these guys, uh, Demas, some of these guys deserted him. He didn't mince words with these guys. He doesn't, also doesn't mince words about the people that were faithful. Uh, it says that he's a faithful and beloved brother. Uh, Nehemiah 7, 1 and 2 says, Now it came to pass when the wall was built and had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed that I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. So, you know, there's a correlation between being faithful and the fear of the Lord. I know Connor and I have been going through Proverbs a little bit and that phrase has come up a lot. You know, the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Jay and I, you know, we talk about this a lot. We just don't seem like we fear everything in this world but the Lord now. You know, uh, we, and it, we can say we fear the Lord, but we don't live our lives like we fear the Lord. We really don't. Uh, if we knew how close we were to, be, to seeing him, I think we'd live a whole lot different. I really do. Uh, Exodus 18:21 says, Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men such as fear God. Men of truth, hating covetousness, and place them, place such over them to be rulers over thousands and rulers over hundreds, rulers over fifties and rulers over ten. Uh, you know, we have to find some men, and you know, no offense, ladies, you need to be faithful and you need to fear God too. Uh, but we need to find some men in this church, some men in this community, some men in this state, some men in this nation that are faithful and fear the Lord. Uh, it's, it's on us. It really is. Psalm 101, 6. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. And that perfect there means mature. Uh, nobody's perfect, obviously, but you can, you can order your steps uh, in the steps of the Lord, uh, and you're going to be doing all right. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 4, 17 and Ephesians 6, 21 uh, these fa- same phrases, you're going to see them kind of repeated about these men, uh, about t- Timothy. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring into you remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Ephesians 6.21, but that you may also know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. Man, if we could... To think to, to have that praise heaped upon us for all eternity, uh, you know, for Timothy, for Tychicus, for, uh, you know, Epaphras, for this guy we're about to talk about, Sylvanus, in just a minute. Man, that, that would be awesome to go stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and say, you are a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a faithful son. Uh, you know, that's what life's about. That's where your prophet is. You know, it's not in the things of this world. This guy I mentioned, Sylvanus, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Sylvanus and Timotheus, was not yet nay, yea and nay, 
but in him was yea. You know, I talked about who you're with in the ministry. Can you imagine being the completion of that trio? Can you imagine being, you've got Paul and you've got Timothy and here's Sylvanus. Uh, just the stuff that you would be able to soak up. And, you know, I, no offense to anybody here. I don't, you know, we've we got some good preachers and some good teachers here. Um, you know, I believe there's some people here that you can get with um, that you can learn some stuff here. I believe there's some people that you can partner with here uh, that you can soak up some knowledge from. Uh, and not just soak up knowledge, but there's people that you can partner with in this church that will show you the steps that you need to take and order your steps in the Lord. You know, Paul talked about that. He said, be ye followers. It wasn't Christ. It was be ye follower of me. Because he knew if you'd follow me, you're following the Lord. And so we could all have that testimony. And Paul's not bragging. He's just stating the facts. I'm following the Lord. Get behind me. You know, we need to be that way with our brothers and sisters. Uh, Second Thessalonians, I forgot where I was at here. Second Thessalonians 1, 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's also not just a minister with Paul and Timotheus. He's also uh, been a minister and a faithful brother to Peter. 1 Peter 5.12, By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written brie- briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. So you got Paul and you got Peter. That's a pretty good, pretty good duo to say, hey, you're faithful. Uh, and so, you know, how do you, as a brother, and I'm, I'm speaking to the men here, we've got some young men sitting over here, how do you... What, what makes you faithful? What makes you uh, that you can have these terms about you? Proverbs eighteen twenty four. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Uh, and what he's talking about, you know, we always apply that. You know, we use that as a term for the Lord, and we do. Uh, but, you know, I have friends and brothers in this church that I'm closer to than my blood. You know, we brought, we brought that up a few weeks ago. You know, this Bible is thicker than any blood relationship that you'll ever have. It really is. Uh, and there's people, you know, I, I believe I can count on my earthly brother. I believe, I believe that with all my heart. But he's not the first person I call when I got a problem. You know, uh, there's probably six or seven guys here in this church that I would call just like that. Uh, because I know I can count on them because they've stuck close to me. Proverbs 27, 17. It says, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And I appreciate y'all, I really do. You know, over the years, you guys, the brothers and sisters I have in this church have been very supportive of me. Uh, They've stuck close to me and they've tolerated me. And I appreciate y'all, do. Key principle. Um, Being a true brother or sister in Christ means being faithful to the Lord and your fellow believers uh, and you may want to write this down. I don't know that I put it on. I think it's on the slide. Go to the next one, Derek. That means that you are available for your brethren, accountable to your brethren, and agreeable with your brethren. And I, you know, just forget the fact that I'm saying it. That's, that'll preach right there. You know, we need to understand that part of being a brother or sister in Christ means that being there for each other you know especially now you know everybody's scattered and I believe this this is a tool that Satan is trying to use to scatter his church Uh, you know with all the stuff that's going on 
Now's not the time to forsake the assembling. It's not. It's not. If you can get in this church somehow, some way, you know, put a mask on, do what you need to do, be here for your brothers and sisters. I'm telling you, uh, we need it. Everybody needs it. Uh, and, you know, First Timothy, or 2 Corinthians 6.14 says this, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? You know, I worry, I look at, you know, bro- brothers and sisters that we have, or, you know, people that I know, and, you know, we have our brothers and sisters in this church, but, man, we'll go and just hook up with whoever in business. We'll go and hook up with whoever in our uh, whatever we do for a living. Uh, you know, we'll partner, we'll hang around whoever, whenever. Uh, and then we come in on Sunday. You know, that's not biblical. It's really not. You know, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. So that means we can't just hang around with whoever, whenever, whenever we want to. Uh, you know, Jesus, he ate with sinners, he ate with the publicans, but he didn't participate in their activities. There's a difference. There was always ministry that he was trying to do to win those people, uh, to make them, believe, make them believe who he said he was. And so, you know, we don't just need to partner up with anybody doing business or at our job, or, you know, we need to be careful about those things. We're not supposed to yoke up who we date who we marry, I'm telling you, you know, you better find somebody that believes this book if you're going to partner up with them, regardless of the relationship, uh, which goes to the last point. And I'm going way too fast here. So, uh, so it goes to the last point here. Uh, relation, point number three is relation. And I, there's a twofold application of this as well. Uh, you know, where he says that, go to the next verse, Derek. It says, that with an Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, uh, who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Uh, so there's a twofold application of this. One of you means, first of all, that he was one of them. Like, literally, he's from this area. Number two, um, you know, he is one of you in the fact that he's one of the body of Christ now. And you can imagine the, 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 you know, Onesimus is bringing this to us. He stole all that stuff from Philemon. He's bringing this letter back to us. Are you serious? Hmm. Uh, you know, but Paul is giving his stamp of approval. Uh, it says, Philemon 125, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with, you, with your spirit. Amen. In parentheses, written from Rome to Philemon by Onesimus, who is now a servant, not in a servant from the standpoint of what he was a servant in Philemon's house. He is now a servant to the body of Christ. Uh, he, you know, he was part of their community. And what's interesting about this as well, it says that he's one of us. He wasn't a hireling. You know, he's going back to his people. Uh, you know, he wasn't a hireling that was looking for his next position in the church. Uh, you know, he, these guys, I worry about them that got their resume up on, you know, LinkedIn or whatever it is, looking for their next position in the church. Uh, you know, I, they, I'm not sure about that kind of stuff. What was important about because of where he was from, that he had a vested interest, vested interest 
in the church at Colossae. Uh, only, not only because he was part of the community, uh, but now he was a, a part of the body of Christ. Uh, the same phrase about a guy we're going to talk about later in a few weeks, Colossians 4.12, Epaphras says, Who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet or suitable, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. You know, the, same, the, the disciples had the same problem. They got together, and they were, you know, everybody wanted to be the, the big dog. You know, everybody, when we always get in, get in a group, everybody's going to see who's going to be the alpha, you know, who's going to be the lead, who's going to take charge. Uh, Matthew 20, 26, and 27, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Uh, key principle, we will never be truly useful to the body of Christ until we commit to serve the body. I don't care what position you have. I don't care how many degrees you have by your name. I don't care what seminary you went to. I don't care. If you do not serve your local body uh, and become a servant, then you're only profiting yourself. Uh, we have to be useful to the body of Christ until we commit to serve the body. That's, we just have to do that. So in other words... You know, there's no big I's and little U's. Uh, we should all be striving together in one mission, the Great Commission, right? Uh, you know, we should all be in this together. I can remember when I worked at Health South, you had this, uh, of course, you know, Richard Scrucci, I'm not going to get into him, but uh, probably some of you guys probably know his story, but there was a, a picture that was on the wall in all of Health South, and it had a boat, you know, uh, and it said, where are you in the boat? You know, are you... Uh, or in the wagon, excuse me, it wasn't a boat, it was a wagon. He said, where are you in the wagon? Are you, you know, riding? Are you pulling? Or, you know, where, where, where is your place? So, you know, for those of us that are wanting to, you know, go in ministry, where we, whether it be pastors, teachers, deacons, whatever, you know, we're aspiring to do, you know, we need to learn to serve. You know, if it means cleaning a toilet, go clean a toilet, you know, uh, I can't tell you the things, you know, for some of you that's been around, some of the things that I have done here, some of the things I've seen your pastor do, uh, you know, you'd be, some of you may know, some of you may not, you would be amazed. Uh, there is nothing that I've, I've never seen Jay Shug say he's not going to do something, ever. Didn't matter what it was, what needed done, if we go on the roof, if we go in the toilet, if we go wherever, whatever needs done, if we go to a, uh, and, you know, Get a backhoe and go do something. If it needs to be done for the church, that's what we're going to do. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's who we're, we need to be following. Uh, so, you know, we need to understand whether it be pastors, teachers, leaders. You know, we never need to get the attitude that we are somehow more important than the rest of the church. Every member of this body is important. Uh, every member that we have watching online is important. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that we're reaching out to everybody. I need to do a better job of that myself. Uh, Romans 12, 3 through 5 says this, For I say, though, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I mean, I think I got this. My dad used to tell me that every day. So, uh, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. 
Uh, we have to be together in what we're doing. Uh, we have to, and you know, if our pastor lays out, this is where we're going, then get in the wagon, pull the wagon, let's go. That's where we're going. Uh, if it's biblical, then we need to follow him. You know, when we need to be careful as leaders or pastors, those of us that are trying to get there, uh, we never need to think that we're somewhere that we're, you know, we always think we're probably further along than we are. Um, but we never need to think that we are above, you know, anybody. Uh, the early church had to deal with this issue. They had a group of heretics called the Nicolaitans. Uh, and these guys had infiltrated the churches at Pergamos and at Ephesus. And so when you break that word down, uh, it actually means, Nico meaning victory, uh, and Laos meaning the people. In other words, the conquerors of the people. Uh, and so it's interesting when you look at these seven, the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, those are all to actual churches, but they're also representative of different times in church history. And when you look at the letters to those two churches where they had this problem with the Nicolaitans, uh, you know, it's 30 A.D. to 100 A.D., uh, which is, you know, the, what they call the apostolic age. And then you have the rise of Constantine, which is roughly 315 A.D., and guess what that leads to? The Roman Catholic Church. Uh, you have the clergy and you have the laity. Uh, you have the Roman Catholic Church dictating to the people who gets the word of God, when they, when they get the word of God, and here's how we're going to do it, following the traditions of men instead of following the book. Uh, so sometimes we still have that problem to debate today. Revelation 2.6 and Revelation 2.15. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So this is Jesus Christ saying this. I hate this. It's, it makes me sick. Um, you know, there's a list in Proverbs of the things that God hates. Uh, six, and then he says, hey, seven are abomination. One of those things is sowing discord among the brethren. Uh, so when you create division, uh, like, the, like these churches, like these people in these churches did, uh, God hates that, and so we need to be careful of that as well. Don't ever think you're too good to do whatever your disciple or pastor teacher to ask you to do, because uh, we are all in this together. And we all, as my dad used to say, we all put our pants legs on, same thing, one leg at a time, right? Nobody just jumps in them. Uh, so next thing he says, not only is he one of you, it says, make known unto you all things. Uh, and when you study that phrase out, it's make known means to manifest or to declare. Uh, so in other words, you something that is going on, you announce it publicly, you make it known to all the people. Uh, Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. And for me, this is Paul speaking, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'll, I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And I understand the context of, and we'll get to it in a minute, of what he's saying about making known the things that are going on in Paul's ministry there in prison. I get that. Um, but Paul has got this guy on Esmus with him. They're in prison together, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't the Hilton. Um, no, I don't think it was the, the Marriott or whatever. And most of us, if, if we got put in prison tomorrow... We would be worried about our predicament. We would be worried about getting out. We'd be worried about, you know, who our, inmate, who our uh, fellow inmates are, you know, uh, probably evaluating the situation. Paul wasn't doing that. Paul was doing ministry. 
Paul opened his mouth boldly and made known some things to Onesimus. Otherwise, now you can say that you know, that's just what, what he did, but Paul, if he doesn't preach the gospel to these guys, if he doesn't minister to these men in bonds and, speak, and preach the gospel to them and get them saved, his letters never go out. We've got a significant portion of our Bible that's not here. It's probably still here, but it's probably not going to be by Tychicus or Epaphras or Onesimus. You know, God's going to get his work done. But because they were obedient, because Paul was obedient, these guys uh, are recorded, and they did what God had called them to do because of Paul's obedience. Um, and not only is he making known the gospel, but he's making known all things. Acts 14, 26 through 27, Then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith and to the Gentiles. You know, when we have missionaries come in, when we have, uh, you know, when we get together in our small groups and they tell us the things, you know, it's important that we, un- we hear the work, the ministry that is going on and what God is doing in the lives of his people. Uh, that we need to exhort and encourage each other with those things. We need to rehearse the things that God has done in our lives for our fellow believers. Uh, we need to encourage each other with that. Uh, and, you know, when these missionaries come in and they tell us, man, we ought to rejoice in these guys getting saved. And we ought to rejoice about in these church plants and everything else. Man, I mean, God is still moving. God's still working. You know, it may be different than what it was, but that's okay. God's a big God. He can handle it. Uh, Colossians four sixteen, And when this, is epistle, when this epistle is read among you, calls that be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So not only is this letter going out, you know, there's, he's telling them to read it. You know, I worry sometimes some of the preachers that I see nowadays, um, we do everything but read the Bible, you know. We do everything. You might have a pastor stand up here and not, to, not share one verse of Scripture. It's all feel-good stories. It's all, you know, what's going on in their lives. And I'm thankful for God, you know, that God's moving in their life. But, man, preach the Word. You know, it's not about you and it's not about your daily things. I mean, you can throw some of that in, but golly, I mean... Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, and read it. You know, this was important for them because they read this letter not only in, to everywhere they went, it eventually got to us, but they were reading it in Laodicea. Uh, and if anybody from, what, from the letter and, you know, the letter that God or that Jesus writes to them, I believe they needed to hear it. Uh, if anybody needed to hear it, the Laodicea instead. And I think, obviously, the application for us is we need to hear it as well. Uh, so it's really important for us, and I wanted to close with this, and we are going to, looks like a few minutes early, but uh, Romans 10, 13 through 17. Familiar, verse, familiar passage of Scripture. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? 
and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as I said, Lord, who hath believed our report, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So again, if Paul never shares the gospel, Onesimus never gets saved. He spends the rest of his life in prison. He come, if he, when he does get out, he goes right back in to what he was doing. He goes right back in stealing from people, taking advantage of people, living his life out for himself, profiting nobody but himself. Because Paul didn't preach the gospel that day. Because Paul didn't share the gospel that day. Um, so, you know, for us, what are we profiting? What are we profiting? What are we are we profiting? Is it just let's go do our nine to five? Let's go do our our work that we do every day, our 40, 50 hours a week, count our paychecks, count our stuff, pile it up, build bigger barns, and at the end of the day, it's all going to be burned up, every bit of it. Uh, while Leslie, while you come, uh, Leslie's going to play, and it was, I just want to read just a few things just for closing. So the first thing I would ask, you know, are we profitable in God's eyes? First of all, have we accepted Christ's payment for our sins to even have that opportunity? You know, you can do that today. Um, you know, he made that available for all of us through his death on the cross, uh, through his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, you may have an unprofitable past. You may be in your unpro- unprofitable present right now. You may not be saved. You can change that today. All you have to do is step out in faith. You know, speaking of opportunities, you know, have we squandered numerous chances to make a difference in God's kingdom? You know, can we make a commitment today to turn our feet and refocus our efforts for the Lord? Uh, You know, finally, who are we with in the ministry? You know, are we on our own in our little own Christian island, you know, uh, totally isolated from the body of Christ, both locally and universally? You know, we need to all get out of our comfort zone and start making the most of the potential ministry relationships that are right here. Uh, We don't have to go across to another state we don't have to go to the next county there are ministry relationships and people you can partner with here in this local assembly and God's made it available for us Uh, we'll go and stand we're going to pray